Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Drake, and today I'm joined by Mr. David Wise and over up in New York. Davey, tell the folks we're talking about today. All right, Drake. Today we are talking Miami. Are they making good moves? Should we be scared? We're also talking potential breakout player of the year on both sides, offense, defense. It's going to be fun. And we are re or eulogizing, if you will, the men's basketball team. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. They're not dead, folks. They're just making me and Dave very depressed. And also, that is not your connection. Dave actually is, you know, laggy because of the Wi-Fi internet. But thank you so much for coming by, David. Folks, as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Sentinels your first listen each and every single day. And without further ado, let's go on with the show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as always, folks, thank you guys so much for the love and support. Don't forget five-star reviews, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it gets your podcast from. And now that we're on YouTube, you can see my beautiful face, you can see Dave's I always do that. Dave's gray hair. You know, like the YouTube video. Okay. Hit subscribe banner up at the top and ding the little bell. And before we get into this, Dave, how you doing, my guy? How's your day going? Doing great. Uh, yeah, I just don't care for the month of March this year. And we'll get there, but it's depressing. It's depressing, and that's called a tease, folks, in the biz. But before we do that, let's discuss our friends, our neighbors down at Coral Gable South. Basically, the yeah. University of Miami has made... Two bigger hires. As you know, they finally have settled on both their OC and their DC. Kevin Steele being the DC. Josh Gass being the former OC at Michigan. Leaves there to come to Miami. And then they hired another player. I'm not another player. Another coach for defensive backs. His name is escaping me. I'll look for that one as Dave starts talking that for their DB room. So, Dave, I kind of want to know your thoughts on all the activity that's going down in Coral Gables and kind of like the magnitude of how these moves are going by so far. Well... I think what worried a lot of us from the outset was that, or not worried, but they said that they were making this huge commitment to football. I doubted it. I didn't think they were actually going to pay money for coordinators, especially after they dropped so much on Cristobal. So I was just surprised to see them pay as much money as they did. Um, I don't like Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator. I think he's one of those coaches that, for whatever reason, just keeps getting jobs even though he's never done particularly well anywhere he's been. Um, the Michigan coach, I don't even remember his name. Two out of the three years. Josh, I just said his Michigan. name, man. It's Josh Gaddis, man. I Come know, on. You You're Two such out a of troll. the three years he was at Michigan, he made them worse. He wasn't wanted there. So Michigan got a retreaded coach and a coach that wasn't wanted. And they spend money on him. And they're apparently spending more. But... Not worried about exactly who they hired so much as the fact that they spent the money. Now, before I kind of, re- I already said my piece on the Josh Gaddis thing like if if a few days ago, but folks, you can click the link up at above. You'll basically see what, how uh, basically me and Max are kind of in the boat that it's a very good hire. Max thinks it's an elite, elite slam dunk hire. No, his words, not mine, but I mean, I'm going to push back a little bit, you know, on that because he had Shea Paris in year one and then he had Joe Milton year two and Joe Milton transferred from U Michigan. Tennessee and got best for Hendon Hooker. And this past year, they were a top 20 offense overall. They were the best offense that they had in a very long time. And 
I mean, we've seen coaches leave places before where they're not really wanted. They haven't had a really good relationship with the administration. We've seen that happen actually here at FSU with Pruitt only being here for one single year. So it's, I kind of hold the too much weight into that. But the Kevin Steele one, I'm a little more in your camp with that. Like he was an elite DC maybe 10 years ago. He yeah. Was very, right. He was very good at Auburn. Like he did, he was a solid DC. He's, he's not a bad hire, but he's not something that you, like you said in the group chat, you don't wait two months to make a hire of Kevin Steele, especially because he's the main reason why Gus Malzahn is no longer at Auburn because he lit a little, little mini coup behind closed doors with all the boosters back there. So those are good hires. And the guy actually they hired from Georgia is Jamila Dye. He's for their DB's coach. For those of you that don't know, he was most likely the number two recruiter by 247 in the country for coaches, which is a big thing. And I mean, if you see the DB talent that they've been collecting at University of Georgia, whether it be a Kelly Ringo or Tyreek Stevenson before he left, like that's something that actually probably will scare you a little bit. Yeah, it's, so it's funny. There's been so much to rag on in Miami, like their recruiting ranking. I mean, we knew it was going to get better than it was down there at like 68 or whatever, but it still doesn't have me worried. It's just aggravating seeing it happen. And we, they had waited two months to hire coordinators. Like, you know, it was going to happen. And it was funny to make fun of it until it did. And I, and you can still make fun of them for who they hired, but it's, it's just aggravating to not be able to make the jokes anymore. More than anything else. Um, do you do you think that's aggravating, or do you think it's more aggravating that it seems like they're making moves that we wish we were doing right now? Yeah, it's probably part of that. Like one of the big separators I had always thought between Florida State and Miami was that they're going to have financial constraints. Their school's not truly devoted to football, like their top leadership, the president of the university. So it's aggravating to see them doing some big spends that I would like to see done here. I want the IPF to be finished, but you mean the FOF uh, or the, yeah, the FOF, sorry. We have an IPF. I, they have half an IPF. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. Right. So yeah, I I'd like to see us spend the kind of money they're claiming is devoted now to football and seeing that money be spent to some degree makes me think, ah, shit, maybe they are actually spending money. And I don't think necessarily that that means they're going to, be good again anytime soon. I mean, Miami's always back. We all know that. Oh, they're offseason but champions for the past, like, what, 21 years? That is correct. They won the national championship just before playing Alabama. So good for them. But yeah, I want to see us make some big spends and not retain wide receivers coaches who actively make our receivers worse. Yeah, I think just the more frustration, like, it's kind of like, you ever seen that video of the Eagles fan? Like back in the day where he's yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm sick and tired. Like this is to me how I think Miami's reacting right now. It's like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of losing. Put me in, puts the helmet on. You know, I'm sick and tired of being a bitch. I'm sick and tired of losing. I'm going to do it myself. And that's kind of like if, when you talk to friends up down here that, you know, support the program, boosters down here, people like friends of my own family too. Like they're sick and tired of getting there, being a laughing stock everywhere they go. And like always saying the U is back. The U is back when clearly you haven't done anything in consequence since what? Bush versus Gore, that, that court case in 2001, that's literally the last time they did anything. So that is worrisome to me, especially when you have players like a John Ruiz, one of their bigger boosters, who was instrumental in the Cristobal hire, and then also like how he's managing their, their NIL deals or uh, facilitating how to do that with their athletes. And and these hires, yeah. too, like, like I said, I don't think they're elite, but I think they're very good hires, and they're also hires of people that have track records at the Power 5 level and actually sustain success, where right now it just seems like we're, com- we're being... We're not complacent. We're satisfied with the status quo we have right now with the staff. 
even though, in my personal opinion, if you demote a DC to co-defensive coordinator, you might as well fire the guy because that means shows me you have no faith in them whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, Miami having money is never going to be a good thing. So. No, it won't be a good thing. But you know what is a good thing, Dave? What's a good thing? Built bars. But I know Dave is a big cookie dough guy. Me, I'm more of the Cherry Barcia Brigade. And you got you got Max over there, there with the peanut butter brownie. Built bars have 19 delicious flavors. If you don't like any of the three I mentioned, there's also coconut almond. There's mint chocolate. There's raspberry. There's even a new white chocolate cookies and cream for this month of February. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. Go ahead over to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And folks, y'all thank us later. Because trust me, I'm hitting the die hard, and this has been helping me immensely. Let's go. All right, Dave, now that we've discussed, you know, our neighbors down in the south, let's, you know, push back a little bit on that. We'll discuss them again probably around springtime, right, when we hear more about yep. the rest of their staff. So yeah. now you want to discuss who's going to be the most, I guess, impact players, you said, on the opposite side. Yeah, of the, the breakout player candidates of the Break, year. Breakout player candidates of the year for the millennium for the, for the season. I like that a lot. Um, so let me, since this is your idea, I'll let you go first. Do you want to do defense or offense? All right. I'll go defense and I'll go first, and then we'll switch and we'll do offense and you go first. I'm going to make myself look like an asshole again. You always do, though. You love doing that. I do love doing it. All right. I said it last year. I'm going to stick my neck out for him one more time. It's got to be Travis J. Come on, man. It's, it's now or never. He's flashed so many times. The guy has the ball skills. He, like, forgets how to play defensive back. But for all the bad, you get some of the good, and the good I can't forget about. He's as athletically talented as anybody in our defensive backfield. And I, I just refuse to believe it's the coaching just because other players have gotten better at that position. But I'm going to stick my neck out there one more time for Travis J and say this is his year. I like that a lot, actually. Um, mine is a little hard for me because like, I would love to go with the DB. I think Jamie Robinson's probably definitely like a favorite of the show. I mean... But him and Akeem Dent, we already know how important they are and how yeah. good they you know, ended off the year last year. So I, I don't think it's a breakout. To me, I'm going to go with someone that we haven't mentioned very much. He's from the 2019 class, I think, or 2020. And that's Quayshawn Fuller. And primarily, like speaking, like, we saw how like a lot of people were kind of surprised and shocked how much, I guess, production he brought from someone that we thought wasn't going to bring that much at all. And this is, to me, at, def- at the defensive end spot where we're losing – Kier Thomas. We're losing Jermaine Johnson. And this is someone that like we need to fill the role and fill the gap. I know Dennis Briggs might be going inside and outside to fill the Kier Thomas role, but he broke out last year. Shout out to Max actually for, for pointing that out before the year started. But so to me, Quayshon Fuller is someone that I really need to see break out and kind of solidify the defensive end role because I don't think a Patrick Payton is ready. I don't think a George Wilson is ready either. And that's someone that Hey, man, you were a four-star recruit. You were almost a top 200 kid. And we know the talent is there. And if you take a step before that, we should be very, very good on the line next year. And I have faith in John Papuchas to actually develop this kid because we thought he was going to be nothing when he came in. And now I'm putting my neck on the line right now saying this kid's going to be our breakout on defense. Yeah, and two reasons I like that. One, he's got the measurables. 6'3", 265, listed at the end of last year on Seminoles.com. 
that's pretty good size, especially if he's playing on the edge. Um, and another thing I like is that his two most productive games tackles-wise bookended the year, Notre Dame and Florida. Three tackles each, highest totals games of last year. I mean, yeah, he showed up for big games. And, like, I think who else do we have on the line day? We have Fabian Lovett. We got Dennis Briggs, Quayshawn Fuller. The, uh, Joshua Farmer, Sean Bray Jackson, George Wilson, Pat Payton, but they're all sophomore kids. So to yeah. me, Fuller yeah. is someone that I can definitely see. Like he, I think he has opportunity. With, yeah, he has a great opportunity, and I think he'll probably actually seize it for the coming year. And then you want me to go first for offense? Go first for offense. Offensive breakout player of the year. Breakout offensive player of the year for the season for this millennia. It's going to be yeah. probably, ooh, this is hard. <sighs> you know what? I'm going to go with an offensive lineman because for some and I'm going to do a continuing trend. Every year we brought in a lineman, their gra- like their first year here, they've done amazing. So I'm, I'm going to go with the strike while the iron's hot. Devontae Love Taylor two years ago before the injury. Last year was Dylan Gibbons. Shout out to my Cartier-wearing Hawaiian shirt graduate over there. But I'm going to go with Caden Lyles, the Wisconsin center that came in because, quite frankly, that's a top 50 kid when it comes to transfers. I know we don't know how these four-star, five-star, three-star, you know, rankings work for transfer portal. No one does, folks. We're just guessing here at this point. But Caden Lyles brings a sustainability and a consistency at the center spot that we really, really need. The two years ago, we had Maurice Smith the first year. He was fine. He wasn't, you know, doing the baby on Johnson where he's over-snapping, under-snapping. This past year, when he got hurt, and he was hurt for the majority of the year, there were several times where we lost field position or lost a drive, killed a drive because of a snap. Notre Dame game, for example, when the snap went over McKenzie Milton's head. So to me, Kane Lyles, I'm going to go with a solid lineman from the Big Ten, and the Big Ten always produces solid linemen, especially at Wisconsin or Iowa. So to me, I think it's going to be Kane Lyles overall. All right. You know what I like, Drake? Besides Cookie Dough Bolt Bars? Besides Cookie Dough Bolt Bars. Any offensive lineman from Wisconsin or Iowa. It's always a great choice. Not fair. But I'm going to go receiver, Drake. It's definitely not pokey. Blink, blink, blink. But he played in every game last year, started nine games last year. He, again, like Travis J, I like flashed. that pick. Yeah, I mean, he's 6'4". He has that perfect body for it to play outside receiver. He can jump out of the building. I hate that what he needs to work on is route running, which is something we don't teach all that well with our current leadership at the position. But if there's anybody on that wide receiver court that I think can and will make a big jump this year, I think it's him. And the problem's going to be, if it's not, we have all these transfers in here, but we don't know what any of them are going to do. Um. And without good receivers, I fear for Jordan Travis's life this year. I can get behind that. I mean, Malik McLean, they played like a true freshman last year and a wide receiver. That's you're asking him again to go up against upperclassmen, the DB spot. That's not going to be easy for anybody. It's just, yeah, yeah I mean, I think the ceiling is super high with the kid. Um, I hope to God, you know, we don't have to super rely too much on the new transfers because, like we said before, they're new and also they're unproven progs yeah. outside of Winston, Winston Wright Jr., who I do think is going to be solid. He's going to be awesome here. Yeah. But, like, we don't know we're getting with Johnny Wilson. We saw, we've saw we seen the video where he catches the ball over the middle. He's long and freakishly athletic, but he doesn't have the resume for that. Micah Pittman's been hurt. Deuce Span has five catches last year. I mean, it's a lot of yeah. unknown qualities at this position, but I do think it's an improved position overall. And I'm not going to lie to you, having them in, too, 
helps me be more comfortable with Keishan Helton being my third or fourth option because I do think he actually is a solid third yeah. or fourth option. I think he's a very good player, especially when he's asked to do do those tough catches. The thing, the thing is, if you're going to say, like, oh, Trayshawn Ward could be a breakout candidate. Not really. He broke out last year. So if a receiver is not the breakout player on offense, I'm really worried for our, just our overall offense and Jordan Travis's health. It's either going to be that Jordan, is, Jordan isn't seeing them down the sideline or on the certain routes because of the line, or also he's just not developed as QB, or the wide receivers yet again are not getting sustainable separation on their routes or dropping balls. So yeah. that kind of – I do like how you picked that because that's very – it's been sort of a bugaboo, a very like it's our Achilles heel on this offense, and hopefully we're able to rectify that. But, folks, before we let you go, we'll be remiss here at Locked on Seminoles if we talk about friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. As I said before, Dave is taking the Rams at minus four. So as always, the, our motto here is to fade Dave. So take the Bengals at plus four right now. And if you sign up today, use promo code Locked On, you'll get fifty percent. That's five zero percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up. Once again, promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N Bellline where the game starts. All right, Dave. Do you have any somber music to play? Uh, nothing that would not get us DMCA. No. <laughs> I'll get that for next time. I'll put it in my little um, board over here. Thank you. But Dave, I think let's go. Where do we go from here? Because folks, as you don't know from the change of our disposition, we're talking about FSU basketball right now, which unfortunately did lose to I think besides everyone on the schedule. Wake and Clemson. They lost to Wake and Clemson. The Wake game was very winnable, even though this is probably Wake's best team since God knows since I've been alive. And then Clemson. Clemson is a can't lose game. Clemson is a can't lose game. So right now we're basically resigned to the fact that we probably are going to be the best NIT team in the field. Now, mm-hmm. Dave, I guess you go with this one. Where exactly do we go from here when, in terms of men's basketball? Well, as crazy as it sounds, this team has shown an ability to probably play above its head, probably because of Leonard Hamilton at this point alone. Uh, so I'm not going to say it's impossible for them to make the NCAA tournament. Like they would have to win the ACC at this point, yeah. which I think is possible. They've beaten Duke, so they can do it. Uh, but I don't see that happening. So where do we go from here? And what sucks with it too is like this team, I think Kane, he said in a group chat the best the other day, where like this team has the wins that lock up you for the tournament, but then and have the losses, losses that that probably relegate you to division two. Yeah, the second we lost that Georgia Tech game, like that kind of resigned me for the year. But our offense is outside the top hundred now. Our defense is outside the top sixty-five. I I think at this point you're just playing to develop players in chemistry. Um, I I say throw somebody out there at the five, just rotate them and figure out who your guy's going to be. Your your uh, big man presence for next year because they're all young. At this point, just let Polite and Wilkes shoot their hearts out, right? We we got to find shooting, and we got to have a post presence. That's two things I worried about before the season ever started. We never found it, and it is the reason we are where we are. It is. I mean, like basically, it just seems that when we have all these people, like all these kids, you know, or six ten above, and which is absolutely absurd. We have all this length, but 
Yeah. It seems it feels like none of them have the presence inside the inside the box next to the boards to actually be able to get some rebounds or be aggressive in the paint. And that's something that we when we lost when when Balsa Kopravica decided to go to the NBA last year, that's kind of something that we thought was very early for him to do. But, you know, he made the decision. And then we now we see how important he was to that entire presence for the game for the team. And now we've seen Naheem McLeod, who's someone that we didn't know if he was going to be able to be qualified or not. He's been a bright spot. Matthew Cleveland yeah. is very good. And I wouldn't be shocked if Matthew Cleveland actually stays for another year for development reasons. And I mean, also, we lost Malik Osborne. And Malik Osborne was the heart and soul for this team. We called him the Garnet Goblin yeah. for a reason. That's someone we want to keep here. And he most likely will probably be coming back for another year because it kind of has to leave a bad taste in your mouth. Now, are there any other players on this team that can give you any sort of faith, you know, going into next year? Or are there maybe some, you know, players on this team that you're kind of worried for their future actually at FSU? Well, it's funny because early in the year, you mentioned Cameron Fletcher as somebody you really enjoyed watching play. Like, he was a spark for this team. I don't think he sustained it so much as the year has gone on, but I would like to see more of him. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd like Caleb Mills to stay here forever and probably get more efficient. Uh, he's been a bright spot, obviously. I mean, I like the kid a lot too. I mean, but I think more it's like if you have shooters, Caleb Mills play gets a lot better too. I think. That's right, and because I mean, it creates space if you have guys on the outside, and he's the guy that can take you off the dribble. But you know, you mentioned earlier, Jalen Morley, he's started a game now on a team that he should have never started a game for. He wasn't ready. His offensive game hasn't developed. He's one of the lowest-rated players on this team offensively. Like, lower than Wilkes, lower than Polite. And that's okay. He's a true freshman. And especially if Cleveland comes back for next year, I think I'll feel okay about the core. I mean, yeah, and with Jalen Worley, like, we're not saying he's leaving, no. Like, folks, we're just saying just, like, there's – you look at the roster overall. We see the kids playing game playing time. And I and Dave brings up Jalen Worley because if you notice during the Wake Forest game – there's a pass where Jalen Warriors throws to Raekwon Evans, and it's it's like 50 yards to his left. And then Raekwon Evans just puts his hands up in frustration. You can tell as a veteran leadership on the team, as a senior, he's pissed off. And then you see Jalen Warley kind of like shrug his shrug his shoulders and just turn around. And like you see, that's I don't know whether that's a, a kid that's dejected or that's a kid that's you know struggling in a new system in college. But that's someone that me personally, I really do want to see compete very hard here because I think he actually is can be a very good player, but maybe. Like Dave was saying, he should not be starting on this team at the point yeah. it is worth his development. That's a kid that needs two, three years. And I mean, Devin Vassell two years ago was one of our best players. Yep. He didn't start year one. Scotty Barnes didn't even start last year. And he's a lottery pick. And he's also the second favorite for the rookie of the year right now in the NBA. So it's to me that it's the veteran leadership. I'm it's not saying it's lacking, but there's a lot of growing pains on this team. And just unfortunately kind of sunk our season. Now, maybe. Maybe we can take these as a learning experience for each of the players heading into next season. Grab a you know grab a few shooters or everything like that like that. Maybe John Butler stays healthy. I mean, you mentioned Cameron Fletcher, who definitely I think was dealing with some injuries too, so that could be why his minutes have been down. But overall, like we have a solid core. I think we have a good point guard in Caleb Mills. We just need shooters so they actually can get inside and floor spacing because we can't do anything if we are not a danger beyond the arc in 2022 basketball. And that for only danger is a stretch for just weird, but yeah, you know, I think it's a little different to start young players in the college basketball game over the college football game. Like, I don't think we risk James Blackmaning Jalen Worley so much, but you're right. I think he's the kind of guy that can be like a Devin Vassell. If you give him time, 
this isn't a team that I think has all the time in the world. And what I mean by that is Leonard Hamilton ain't young. I have no idea how much longer he's going to be here, but it worries me when he finally has a year like this where it's so atypical of the teams and the culture he's created of winning at Florida State basketball, the new blood. I don't know at what point he's going to be satisfied with it and just can't do it anymore. We fans have probably taken a lot for granted about what we've got out of a sport that our athletic department has not given enough attention to. I agree with that, and hopefully next season we'll be able to discuss FSU basketball with the same fervor and excitement we had entering the year because, like, I was stoked on us. You were stoked on us. Max, Holly, Stacy, we're all stoked on us. And we're stoked for having you guys listen to us each and every single day here on Locked on Seminoles. As always, folks, thank you guys so much for the love and support. Don't forget, five-star reviews, either Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. As always, we're on YouTube. Hit the, you know, hit the little like button on this video. Hit the subscribe banner up at the top. And ding the little bell so you get notifications whenever. I love how Dave's making fun of me. Whenever you get little notifications where when we drop a new video. And DM us for the Discord. We know we love engaging with fans because we are fans first, people second, and content creators third. For Drake, that was Dave. We'll see you all next time on Lock on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Rest in peace.